0: This morning I'm preaching on something for those who are with us for the first time, something that's really been on my heart. We're in this series called Together, and uh, it's been called, first of all, Together, Love One Another. Uh, Our second week was called Together, Encourage One Another. Then last week we had a a, a guest speaker, we had a missionary that came by, and it's going to be going to India. Did a great job. Uh, I must say thank you for your generosity. Uh, we raised almost 2,000 bucks. That was just sent there as a love offering, and I know that they greatly appreciate it, and I appreciate you guys. But this morning, we're going to be sharing on the message that comes from the Bible of comforting one another. Uh, i read you a story about uh, a couple who had two little mischievous boys 8 and 10. Anybody ever had any mischievous kids? Okay. They were always getting into trouble. And their parents knew that if any mischief occurred in their town, their sons would get the blame. The boy's mother had heard that a clergyman in town had been successful in disciplining children. So she asked if he would speak with the boys, and the clergyman agreed and asked to see them individually. So the mother sent her eight-year-old, the first one, in the morning with the older boy to see the clergyman in the afternoon. The clergyman, a huge man with a booming voice, sat the younger boy down and asked him sternly, Where is God? The boy's mouth dropped open, but he made no response, sitting there with his mouth hanging open. The clergyman repeated the question, Where is God? Again, the boy made no attempt to answer, and so the clergyman raised his voice some more and shook his finger in the boy's face and bellowed, Where is God? The boy screamed and bolted from the room, and he ran directly home and dove into his closet, slamming the door behind him. And when his older brother found him in the closet, he asked him, what happened? Younger brother, gasping for breath, replied, we are in big trouble (laughs) this time. God is missing, and they think, we did it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the thing about life is that trouble will find you. In fact, trouble really knows your address, <laughs> has it memorized, and uh, doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter how smart you are, how well educated you are, doesn't matter how strong you are, uh, how financially independent you are, in fact, it doesn't even matter how nice and kind that you are, trouble comes knocking on your door, and sometimes when it knocks on the door, it knocks loud, and it just invites itself in, doesn't care, and takes up resonance and doesn't want to leave. Why? Let me give you the theological reason. And I, when I say trouble, I'm just talking about bad things that happen in our life. Why do bad things happen? That's a question. And why do bad things maybe even happen to good people? The Bible declares in Romans chapter 8, verse 22... Bible says, for we know that all creation, that's what God's created, specifically speaking about earth right here, has been groaning. How? As in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers also groan, even though we have the Spirit, the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. So the Bible talks about that, that creation, all of creation is groaning. Even his sons and daughters that have his spirit residing in them, there's something that causes them to groan. And what the, what they're groaning about is, is the trouble and the pain that they're going through. It all happened when sin entered into the world. And this world was broken. Not only earth, but people as well. And for those, by the way, who are, who are followers of Christ, those who are out there with their faith, they live their faith. They live by what the Bible tells them to do. Not only do they live their faith, but they're public with their faith. They share their testimony. They share the gospel. The Bible even declares for people who are serious about their faith and serious followers of Christ will run into trouble. In fact, it's a guarantee. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 12 says this, persecution is inevitable for those who are determined to live a really Christian lives. How do you agree that God wants us to live a Christian life? Yes. The Bible says if you and I make that decision, don't be surprised if persecution, rejection, people make fun of you, you're ostracized because of your faith. But we know this because of trouble, because of persecution, because of of pressure and, and uncertain futures and afflictions, we all here in this room, in fact, all of creation, when God has created, all of us need encouragement and comfort. If you have your Bibles with me, with you here this morning, turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. I want to take you to a verse. I hope that's going to encourage you here this morning. It's going to help you. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 has something to say to those who are in trouble here this morning. Now, I'm not talking about trouble with the law, but just experiencing trouble in your life. All praise to God. Verse 3, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, God is merciful. And he's a merciful Father and a source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When we are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. For the more we suffer for Christ, the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. Even when we are weighed down with troubles, it is for your comfort and salvation. For when we ourselves are comforted, we will certainly comfort you. Then you can patiently endure the same things we suffer. We are confident that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in the comfort God gives us. Amen. So here in in these five verses, you will notice a word that's mentioned nine times, comfort or comforter. So it's something that is, when something's mentioned nine times, in and, and five verses it's really important doesn't matter who you are you will still need comfort and there will be times in fact in in our lives as believers followers of Christ where where we're going through patches and stretches of trouble where it seems to be very long and sometimes seems to be very intense where we'll come to that breaking point and we say God I can't take it any longer. Lord, this hurts so much. Where was it? I, were you just about ready to give up? And what do you do when you get in those situations where the pain is so intense, where where, where the, the 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 problem has been lasting so long, you say, I, I'm just ready to give up. Lord, just take me home. Now I want you to go here, there to your notes here this morning. I hope you got your bullets in here open. I got some observations. I think There's some things here that God wants to speak to us that can help us for those who are going through trouble. Some of you are going through some major, uh, incredible trouble right now. Some of you are good to go. You're you're good. But uh, I got a promise for you, uh, trouble's going to be knocking on your door here in, in, in not too distant future. Some observations, okay? This word trouble, you can go ahead and underline it there in your Bible, the Greek word, uh, it, it, the, the meaning behind it, it, it conveys this, a picture of pressure. It's where you're you're backed into a corner and there's no place to go. There, there's no out. You, you you find no place to go. It, it's a place of where great affliction and persecution. It's a place of no options. Is there anybody here uh, that are here today that feels that kind of trouble right here today? Did any of you experience experiencing any of that? The Bible says right here in verse 3 underline this, this phrase. He, it says He's the source of all comfort. The New American Standard Bible puts it this way. He is the God of all comfort. And for those who are new believers and you're on a high right now and, and you've been experiencing the goodness of the Lord, I promise you there's going to be moments in your life uh, to your one, you're not going to understand what you're going through and you thought, man, I didn't know that this was going to be happening to me. I want to tell you something. In the 38 years I've been a Christian, God is really good at this. God is a great comforter. In our trials, in our tribulations, God is absolutely awesome in the area of comfort. The Bible says in verse 4, it says, he comforts us in all of our troubles. And so, I want to ask you a question for those who are going through trouble, okay, uh, and and, and needing comfort. What what is the main source? What do you turn to to receive comfort? Comfort food. Uh, I I love comfort food, but I hope it's not drugs or alcohol or anything like this. But we're going to see here what God has for us, where we receive comfort. The Bible says here, right here, comfort. In fact, underline that word says he comforts us in all of it. No matter what you're going through, God says, I'm going to comfort. Now, this word in the Greek, it means to come alongside. It means that God says, when you are going through a, a tough time, God says, I'm going to come alongside of you. I know you're going through a tough time. I know you're feeling the pressure. I feel like You feel like there's, no, there's going to be no change. There's no way out. God says, I come to comfort you. That's what the night, you've got to get this picture. He comes alongside of us. In Isaiah chapter 43, verse 2, it's described this way. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, and these are not just calm rivers, okay? These are raging waters. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. Why? Because I'm with you. And when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. My brothers and sisters, especially to the new ones, to those who are new in the faith, please understand this. There are going to be times and seasons in your life you are going to be going through the waters and you're going to be going through the fires. And it's going to be uncomfortable. And it's going to be painful. And, And God is going to be doing some things during that season of why you are going through the fire In fact, he's going to be burning some things out of your life. But here's the fact of the matter is, he's not going to stop the fire. Okay? He's going to cover you. Okay? He's going to be watching over you. But during that process, God is going to be doing an awesome work in your life. The fire won't stop until he does his finished work. But I looked at this question here. It's there in your notes. God comforts us. But how does he do it? does God mainly bring comfort into our lives? Verse 4, it says, it says, He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. So that we can comfort others. Say comfort others. Say that with me. Comfort others. We comfort others. One of the primary ways, not the only way, but one of the primary ways, <clears throat> excuse me, that God comforts us is bringing comforters into our life. God uses his kids, his children, to bring comfort to their brothers and sisters. If you're here this morning, you're discouraged. This is a word from the Lord. God says, I have people lined up. People or or a person lined up to help you out with what you're going through. Yes, I'm going to be involved in the process. Make no mistake about it. I'm going to be with you as you're going through this process. As you're going through the waters, as you're going through the fires, I'm with you. But, but make no mistake about it. I'm going to be sending a person or people, plural, your way so that you can make it through this troubled times. So God uses the family of God to comfort the family of God on his behalf. And so the question that needs to be asked, he uses the family of God to comfort the family of God. My question is this. Are you connected to the family of God? I'm not talking about do you come to church on a Sunday morning, but are you connected to where that those things can happen, where you can, as we were talking about week one, where you can love brothers and sisters, you can encourage brothers and sisters, and for those who are going through major difficult times, uh, you can comfort those people. Okay, you can't do that unless you're connected from a relationship standpoint. We God has taken us and, and wanted to t- tell the church here in the 21st century that church is not just about hearing a sermon. The church, the ecclesia, it's about relationships. It's about connecting with one another and serving one another and helping one another and it can't happen by just coming on a Sunday morning and hearing a pastor preach and sending the songs and praises of God. As much as we believe in that and as important as that is, this is the other equation of what Christianity is all about. It's about relationship. And by the way, the reason why God allows you to go through the problems is because people are going to be crossing. Listen to this. People are going to be crossing your path. That that, and that are going through presently what you have gone through in the past. Or they went through it already, and but they're damaged, they're hurt, they're confused, they're carrying baggage in their life, and they don't have peace in their life, they don't know God, and God says, I want to use you, and I want to use your story and the comfort that I brought to you. I want you to go ahead and bring it to them. Because why? Because I want them to know the God of all comfort. God wants to use your story, your situation to bring comfort in other people's lives. I'll write this down. If you become a comforter, you get comfort. But if you're a Christian who's only concerned about your own comfort, your blessing, your deliverance, your healing, your freedom, you're missing the blessing in how God does church. Believers are conduits to comfort other believers. Let me take you to a scripture that further proves this. Second Corinthians, same book. Okay, a couple chapters up. Second Corinthians, chapter seven, verse five. When we, this is Paul the apostle speaking. This is the guy that wrote almost half of the New Testament. Major heavyweight, guy that knew the Lord. God used him in, in spectacular ways. He says, "When we arrived in Macedonia, there was no rest for us." We face conflict, trouble from every direction, with battles on the outside and fear on the inside. But God encourages those who are discouraged. He said, that was me. Encouraged us by the arrival of Titus. His presence was a joy. Underline that. His presence was a joy. When you're around people, do you bring joy to them? Or do you sadden them? Or do you anger them? I pray that, that... we would have such the spirit and love of God in us that our presence would bring joy to people. But he says, His presence brought joy to me. But so was the news he brought of the encouragement that he received from you. I want you to see this. But but he brought, but so was the news he brought of the encouragement he received from you. So Paul is down. He's discouraged. He's, he's in a deep relationship with God, loves God, and said, God, I, I can't take it any longer, Lord. I'm under so much pressure on the outside and what's going on on the inside. And because Paul was such a giver and cared about people, he was encouraging people, God says, I've got your back. And he decides to send Titus. Who was Titus? Well, Titus was a church leader. And, uh, and, 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 and his presence, when he came onto the scene, and he began to talk with Paul. There was just something that was refreshing about Titus. And Paul says, "Man, this guy helped me out through this situation that I was going through. It was him." But here, here's the other part of the story. Okay, before Titus comes, Titus was down himself. Titus, a church leader, was discouraged. But guess what? He received encouragement, and guess who was bringing the encouragement? It was the laity. It was the people of God. It was the people that were hearing the servants on Sunday morning, and they were bringing encouraging words to, to Titus right there. And, 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 and he says, man, and this guy gets encouraged, okay? And then he comes encouraged, and, and he lifts me up. And here's what I want to kind of just say to Calvary. I want to say to the brothers and sisters that have been with me for the 15 years that we've been here at Calvary, and then the people that have come along uh, through and been with us at, at this church that have encouraged our family, June and I and our kids, and, and and the leaders. In fact, I can't tell you that there's been many discouraging moments in the 15 years that I've been here, um, and and I can't tell you. I I, I look at it and, and say, Pastor, how are you doing? And and I said, Really? I said, uh, I I need some prayer. We got you back, Pastor. I'll be praying for. And, uh, and, and Pastor, I can't, we, we appreciate you. Uh, thank you for being a blessing. And, and we just want to let you know that that, that we're, we're covering you. And I can't, I, if I haven't heard that once, I've heard that um, a thousand times here in the 15 years. Can I tell you something? How much that just keeps me going forward, okay? And, and, and it's encouraged me to go and keep on and, and plotting for it and say, all right, I'm going to do this because here's the fact of matter, and I shared this a couple of weeks ago. Seventy percent of the pastors here in America want to quit being pastors, and you know why? Because they're discouraged by because of what's happening in their church. They're uh, they're getting uh, darts and missiles. I mean, fired at them. You know, people complaining and whatever, and. Uh, and and, and and they want to quit. They want to get out. And the only reason, they don't know what else to do. This is the only thing they know how to do. They want to get out right now. That's not Calvary. And, and, and the reason why is because there's a lot of healthy people who love Jesus, who are encouragers, who are comforters. And, and I want to say just from the bottom of my heart, from my wife as well, thank you so much for, that we're not in the 70%. Even though we've made our mistakes, even though we've done things that, man, we probably shouldn't have done, but you've been here with us anyways. And God's blessing, I pray, his richest blessing upon you. So I ask this question. For those who have brought encouragement my my way, are you looking to continue encouragement? Are you looking for opportunities to be a comforter in his church? Where are they? Where are the opportunities to really, on a practical basis, to bring comfort? It's through serving, helping out. It's through what we call life groups. Uh, About four years ago, we made a strategic decision. We had a midweek service. We had great midweek services. We were teaching, preaching, uh, uh, singing, worshiping God, prayer, and all that. But no time, basically, for relationships and connecting with one another. The demographics and statistics show that people will give about maybe two two time slots a week for something that's related to church, and so uh, everything we were doing was it was nothing that could encourage or foster relationship. It would just be hearing someone teach and preach all the time. So we said we, we're making a decision to where we can get to know one another, to where we could do what, what the Bible calls the one another's, where we could do life. Together, because we believe in the Bible totally backs us up. Life is better together. The Christian life goes better when we're connected to one another. Anybody want to say amen to that? And and I'm so convinced of this. I think back of of years ago when my mom and dad moved from Detroit, Michigan, and we were up up in in Chicago. We were pastoring a church there in the inner city of Chicago, and my parents received devastating news. It was concerning my youngest brother. And they were hurting parents. I can't, I, I, it, it was absolutely devastating. They moved down to Cape Coral, Florida, the south part of Florida. They went to a church down there, and uh, they had never been, uh, never been involved in a small group. In fact, this church offered life groups. They were meeting, and, and they decided, we gotta get to know some people. And here they were parents, they just felt like, they just felt like total failures. They were hurting. And, and, and this life group, they just came around my mom and dad, and uh, they would love God them, encourage them, pray for them, and these one these parents who felt like failures, all of a sudden they began to lift up their head and their shoulders uh, instead of going towards the ground. Trying to be able to look at it. It was why? It was because the body of Christ, the brothers and sisters, said, We see this, we're going to help these guys. And folks, we won't all go through those moments every single week, but those moments happen in our life where we're devastated and we need encouragement and we need comfort from one another. There's a lady who's a hero, major player in God's kingdom. Her name is Johnny Erickson Todd. Anybody ever heard of her, heard of her before? Let me tell you a story about this lady. Her name is Johnny Erickson Tata. Uh, she's in her sixties now, but when she was about fifteen years old, uh, she was up in the northeast uh, there in Chesapeake Bay. Uh, she dove into the water, misjudged the depth of the water, and hit her head right there on the back, snapped her neck, and uh, and she became a quadriplegic and. Uh, and, I mean, just, you know, no, no use of her arms or hands or legs. I mean, just, I, I can't imagine trying to live life, okay, and having, you, you just can't move. And you're, you're totally dependent uh, upon people. Well, Johnny Erickson uh, uh, shared a story at a conference, at a religious broadcaster's conference, and, and she made this statement. I want you to see this statement. It was... It, it, it's, it's profound. And she said this, sometimes God allows what he hates to accomplish what he loves. Sometimes God allows what he hates to accomplish what he loves. She said this, she said, I know that God didn't want me hurt, or I know that God didn't want me paralyzed, but he allowed it so he could accomplish what he loves. What does God love? He loves people. And I know people are here, you know, probably, I wonder if anybody prayed for this lady so that she would get out of her wheelchair. She received plenty of prayers for that. Has it happened yet?
1: Can it happen?
0: Does anybody believe it can happen? Absolutely yes. Now, to understand that statement right here, sometimes God allows what he hates, to accomplish what he loves. You have to understand her ministry. Johnny has a ministry to people who are broken, uh, who have major disablements in their life. And she goes and she speaks to the crowd. She says, I know what you're going through, but God has seen me through the reality of my paralysis, not being able to walk. God has seen me through all of this. And God has been real to me. And out of that message of speaking, speaking to people who are disabled, going through major problems in her life, she's been able to bring hope and the message of Christ. that Jesus is the answer to what they're going through. And she was asked this question. If you, if you ask me today if I, if I could do it all over again, and she says, make no mistake, I would love to be able to jump again, I would love to walk, I would love to be able to run again. She said, would I change anything? She said, no, because of what God has done with my life. I'm able to bring Christ and I'm able to bring hope to a group that that normally don't uh, receive this message. I've got all eternity to run, walk, and crawl with my new body given to me in eternity. Amen, Johnny. amen to that? Anybody agree with that? So here she's she's using her life for good. So God, I'm not going to let this break me. I wish I could tell you as a pastor, and if you follow Jesus, there's going to be no problems. I wish I could tell you that that you're not going to ever be discouraged, that you won't face sicknesses or diseases, or there's not going to be any discouragement. If I was to tell you that, in fact, that would be a lie. If you hear that, that if you, if you give your life to Jesus, you don't have diseases, you don't have sicknesses. In fact, there's a theology out there that 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 says don't confess that you're sick if you're sick. And I'm going to say something. If anybody's heard that, I'm probably just sharing this with a couple of people in here, that if you say, well, if you're sick, well, that's a bad confession. Can I just tell you, if you're sick, you're telling the truth. Okay, it's a truth. Uh, Okay, Uh, it's a truth. But anybody tells you it's the opposite. It's bad theology. In fact, it's wrong theology. Romans chapter 4, verse 19. A guy that and his wife were physically not able to have children any longer. And in fact, they didn't have many. You guys know most of the, the story of Sarah and Abraham, and uh, to go without children was was a curse for a for a family. But God made a promise to Abraham and to to Sarah, and uh, said, "You're you're going there's gonna be come forth a great nation from you guys, and I'm gonna be I'm gonna be the one behind it." And listen with what Abraham, and later, I think he's in his 90s, he says, without weeping in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. He looked at it he says, here's the fact, it's impossible, I look at her, it's impossible to have kids. He says he faced that fact, but, but since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. What's not false theology is this: is that He is able, no matter what you are facing here today, no matter what mountain, no matter what situation, you may be paralyzed on the inside. He is able; He can move in your situation, and not only can He move, but I promise you this: He will comfort you for whatever you are going through. He's the God of all comfort. Uh. My wife uh, is working on a new business. But through the years, uh, and, and, and we've received boxes. And inside of the boxes, we, we, we get this, this wonderful uh, thing in here called bubble wrap. And uh, in bubble wrap, the purpose of bubble wrap is to take something that is fragile and to bring comfort to it. And uh, so that it's not broken, and, and it, when it goes from point A to point B, it's still intact. And, uh, and I know that there's two purposes for bubble wrap, okay? Uh, one, the comforts, and the second of all, it one to pop. Okay, gee, okay. Anyways, anybody love to pop this stuff. Come on, Brad, isn't that a ride? And, and here's, here's what happens. It's 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 in our vertical relationship with God. It's our daily relationship with Him, spending time with Him in prayer and worship and the Word, and we're going through life, go through troubles. And as I was reading yesterday in First Peter chapter five, uh, cast all your care upon God because He cares for you. You can find that You can give it to God and He's gonna help you out. And for the thirty-eight years I've been a Christian, God has brought many comforting. Uh, moments into my life. Okay, it's it, God's, God's kept me. Yeah. But here's one of the things that we, we don't just when we get a box and we get this. A lot of times we keep it because we're going to ship it to someone else. Something that's really important that right? we don't want to see damaged, and we want to make sure that it gets the place. And here's the message for all of us here. God's given us. Courage. He wants us to share it with our brothers and sisters, and especially for those who don't know him. That's the comfort that I've received from God. God wants to give it to you as well. Amen? Amen? God has a ministry for your pain. That abuse that you went through as a kid that God allowed, that you can't understand, I can't understand, we can't wrap our mind around it. God says, I'm not going to waste it. It's in his genius that what Joseph was able to say, what you meant for her, God will go ahead and turn it for good. In fact, your pain is not all about you. It's about other people. God has other people in mind, and he wants to use your situation and the comfort that you receive through that situation to help other people out. Churches that follow the command of the one another, that encourage one another, to love one another, to comfort one another, those are the strong churches that are making a huge difference. That's where the power is at. Uh, I've been on, on, on a road, an HOV road. Does anybody want to know what an HOV road or lane is? Um, it, it's called a high, ocu- high occupancy, occupancy vehicle. I can't say that word. i like, get that Uh, You can see this. I I first saw this years ago when we were traveling uh, up north going to Atlanta. And Atlanta, you go through the city of Atlanta, I mean, it's got a lot of lanes. It's a lot of traffic. Anybody ever been caught in Atlanta going north and getting caught in Atlanta? Anyways, uh, but this is a special lane. And uh, you can only drive in this lane if you have people on board with you. Okay, so I'm the person that likes to get from point A to point B as quick as possible. So I'm that guy that drives in and out of I'm the weaver. okay? So don't have patience with me, okay? I know you don't like me, but that's okay. okay? I don't like you because you're too slow. (laughs) But I I remember uh,
1: going, and I
0: I just, I go with, I'm in this lane. I go, man, there's hardly anyone on there, and and there's all kinds of traffic. And I'm going down the, the lane, and we're, we're getting from point A to point B a lot quicker. And uh, But here's the thing is, if you're in the lane and you're by yourself, okay, and you get pulled over by the police, it's a $1,000 fine, okay? So say, thank you, Pastor Mike, for this information I just received, okay? They're not going to say, oh, I didn't know anything about that, and so, but there's, there's special favor for those, I mean, they're trying to encourage, you know, hey, don't drive alone, you know, have people with you so you can save on gas. No, there's favor, God's favor and flow in your life when you're connected to people, his people. And I'm asking you this question. Who are you carrying with you? Who are you loving and encouraging and comforting in his family. God has a special lane of favor and access to him. To those who don't live the solo Christian life. They get they get a, a special flow and they get blessed. The people are missing the favor and flow of God in their life. Because they're disconnected from the family of God. And they're not doing what I call the one another's. They're, not, they're really not doing the other part of church. They're not connected in relationship. Some of you are here today, and you need comfort, and you need help. And, and, and my best advice to you is this here today. You begin to do it. You begin to point yourself in the direction and say, God, Lord, I'm hurt, but God, I, I want to help other people that are hurting as well. Are you paralyzed? Uh, and, uh, don't use anything as an excuse. When you begin to point your life in a direction people say, I'm going to help people, I'm going to encourage others, I'm looking for opportunities, God says, they know my heart. When we were sitting there, the so, said, Lord, I want to know your heart. God wants you to have your eyes out and your ears out for his sons and daughters to encourage them. Watch it come your way when you lean on God and lean on God's people. So what does comfort do? Here's what comfort do. Write, write this down. It brings hope. Share with you a couple weeks ago. In his Bible, there's over 7,000 promises. Here's a promise that God gives us, that God speaks for our heart, it encourages us. But then, here's the place where the promise is fulfilled. Okay? Promise given, promise fulfilled. In that gate, in that gap, in that space, okay? Is a very precarious time. What happens during that time? Uh, we, we don't know. What, what is God going to allow? What is going to come our way? And it's during those, those, those moments, especially when we're discouraged, when we're in pain, that is when we need hope and encouragement. So when I hear a word, and when someone says to me, hey, pastor, uh, great job, uh, great sermon, that really helped me out. Or, pastor, I'm praying for you. I want to say... Uh, it just helps me move towards this direction. But when all of a sudden we get to that place, we're not hearing anything from either God or we're not hearing from God's people. We begin to shrink back. We go this this direction. But when I'm hearing the word of the Lord through God's people keeps me moving towards the promise that God has for me. It's there if we don't give up. Amen? Yeah. Amen. I want to just give you one more, one more scripture. The power of being connected Power of praying, and and I want you to see something. How many know the story of Job? Anybody ever heard of that guy called Job? You guys know the story of Job. If you've never read the Old Testament, never read the story of Job, this was a guy who really loved God, really connected to God. And, 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 and in a matter of just a couple days, he lost his family, lost his fortune, lost his health. I mean, it was it was it was catastrophic. It was the most brutal. And and, and and Job is, is like 40-something chapters. And, and he's going through all this turmoil and, and all of this testing. And, and he's talking to God and he's complaining. And if anybody maybe had a right to complain, it might have been Job. But he's complaining and he's and he's whining. And I, I, and I totally get it and understand. And God all of a sudden set him straight. But I want you to see what happened here. In Job chapter 42, uh, I want you to see what happened all of a sudden when he ch- he he went from just be focused, he went to thinking about other people. The ones that were Job's comforters, they needed some help. And look what happened. It says, the Lord restored the fortunes of Job. When did it happen? It happened instead when he turned his focus off of himself. It happened when he prayed for his friends. And the Lord increased all that Job, all that had all that Job had twofold you say, when's God going to move in my life? God's going to be saying to you, when are you going to be moving towards people that are in your family and, and move towards them and watch you move in your life? Let's pray.